Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Uh, so as I said, bit of a different night tonight. We've got uh, Ask a Pastor Anything. Um, we're going to ask our two pastors to come up and uh, if they could introduce themselves, that'd be great. You can go first, Kathy. Yeah, you're the guest. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. My name's Kathy, as as you've heard. I spent 30 years as a physiotherapist in a hospital and more recently, about 20 years ago, heard God call me to be a pastor in the Lutheran Church of Australia. So I've been on a bit of a journey since then to discern what that might mean and I currently work for the Lutheran Church in the Queensland District Office in the mission team. I'm Chris, most of you know me, I hang out here at Beyond a lot um, and uh, I'm really nervous but not about this panel, I'm really nervous for about uh, about what is about to happen in an hour and 15 minutes when the Broncos play the Panthers, I'm a, I'm a Nuts Broncos fan, I'm also a Nuts Arsenal fan um, what you may not know um, for those of you here because I don't really talk about it uh, a bunch is that um, I've done a few research theses, um, my undergraduate one was on the historical evidence for the resurrection uh, and then I also have a master's in philosophy, which was on um, effectively, can you ground the, the meaning of life or existence of life in anything other than God? Um, and that's kind of nerdy. So if you, you want to nerd out on that, we can talk about that later. So, yeah. So uh, if it's your first time here, you may not have uh, actually known how we've prepared this evening. Um, there's a QR code hopefully up on the side uh, walls. Uh, we have put that up over the last few Sundays and asked people to put in questions. Um, and you can still do that, uh, both um, during the service, and we've, we've got the computer here and they'll pop up, um, and also even after the service if there's any questions that you didn't get to ask or something kind of popped up along the way, and we will try and get to those in some format over the next few weeks. So the QR code's up there. Um, in keeping with the theme of things, you know, there's going to be lots of tackling going on later on tonight. We're going to be tackling some good questions here as well. Um, we, we tried to work out who was going to go first, so we are actually going to go for a twin coin toss uh, to see who goes first to answer. So uh, who wants to call? You oh, home call. team calls, yeah, okay. Heads. Heads. It is heads. Chris takes the first question. I'll kick off, yeah, good. Excellent. All right. So the first question that we had submitted, uh, and is my phone going to work? All right, this is a good question. How did God come into existence? Yeah, so... I think um, I was trying to think about like another way to frame the question. I think another way to frame this question is, um, is who created God? So I want to answer it in two ways. Firstly, um, firstly there, is a, there is a really um, nerdy philosophical argument called the cosmological argument. You can Google that and check it out or ask me to Google it for you afterwards. Um, and, and really the, the way the argument goes is, or the way that a philosophical argument goes, it's kind of like a mass problem. You kind of have a couple of, couple of points, and then the two points have to lead to a conclusion. And so this cosmological argument says that whatever begins to exist has a cause, 
That's the first part. The second part is the universe began to exist. And then the third part is therefore the universe has a cause. Um, now the premise in this one is the first part, is that, the, um, that everything that begins to exist has a cause. Because what Christians believe and what really theists believe, or anyone who believes in God, is that when it comes to the question, who created God, the answer is nothing. Like, no one or no thing created God. Because if the universe had a cause, then whatever created the universe has to be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, and eternal in the past in order to have, and, and also incredibly powerful in order, to, um, in order to create the universe. And so, because God is eternal, it's kind of like asking, what's the name of the married bachelor's wife? When you, when you ask the question, who created God? It's kind of like, well, a married bachelor can't exist and he can't be married by definition. And because God is eternal into the past, um, it's not possible for, uh, for that question to be asked, who, um, who created God? Now, just in case you're sitting there and you're like, oh, well, that's, that's great, that's just some sort of special pleading for God, it's really not. Um, in fact, uh, there's a lot of spiritual thinkers and there's a lot of people who believe that the universe is eternal in the past. So that actually, all, all, it, all it is doing in this sense is just saying, no, instead of the universe being eternal in the past, we're saying that God is eternal in the past. And I think personally that lines up better with current scientific evidence because the current scientific evidence would seem to say that the universe had a beginning and it did begin to exist. Um, I said there was a second part. I know that first part was kind of long. The second part is um, philosophical. It's, it's like my nerdy philosophical thing. So if you like, just like that is just random. I don't connect with that. I get it. Um, that's, that's okay. You can just call it um, for me being a nerd. So there's this ancient Greek philosopher, his name's Aristotle, and he had this idea of um, an uncaused cause or the uncaused first mover. And so when Christians say that God didn't begin to exist, Christians are kind of saying that God is the uncaused first cause. Now, bear with me. If the universe was eternal into the past, what, what someone who's, who, um, who makes that claim is saying is saying that the universe is infinite. But infinity doesn't actually exist in reality. Because in order for us to be having this conversation, an infinite number of moments in time would have had to have passed. But if the universe is eternal into the past and never had a cause and has always existed, then we couldn't actually get to this moment in time because an infinite number of events would have had to have passed and an infinite number of events haven't, it's not possible for us to have that past. So the fact that we're having this conversation seems to suggest that we can go back and we can track a finite number of events back to a, um, a moment in time beginning. Now, I know that was nerdy. I know some of you are like, oh, that's just great. Um, we'll just move on. That's just, I just wanted to cover both those points. Yeah. Did you have anything to add, uh, Kathy? Yeah, well, that was, um, that was quite a mouthful, Chris. Um, I was just going to say, I don't know how God came into existence because I wasn't there. So that's another angle on it. Um, but the, I, from hearing this question, it makes me think that the person who's asking the question believes in God. So I'm going to come at a dip, slightly different angle from you and from a, 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 the angle of a person who has faith. And I think that God God gives us something to really hold on to as we as we try to imagine that God has just always existed and, and never had a beginning and won't have an end. And that is the name I am, which God uses throughout the Old Testament, simply as um, he Abraham asks him in, in Exodus, what is your name? And God says, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you. And then Jesus grabs onto those same words when he says, before Abraham was born, I am. 
and I just think these this I am statement is is just such a powerful human attempt to describe the enormity and the infinity of God. So I think that uh, leads us nicely into the next question, actually. You're talking uh, about, you know, aspects of faith there. Um, so the next question that we had is where does uh, the state of mind end and faith start for Christians? How do we know that we're connected to God and not just swayed by the psychology of persuasion? It's a good question. Yeah, it's it's something that has troubled me at times too. And I think where I've, where I've ended up on that, on that process is to just realise you can't separate them. Sometimes when you try and and separate the part of you that is um, is about faith and the and the rest of you. It's it's a binary thing that's actually um, unnatural and can and can just twist us up a little bit when we when we try to imagine it that way. There's Christians over the centuries who've tried to separate the two and it hasn't always um, ended well for them. And of course, I mean Jesus was both human and divine, so trying to you know, he he embodied all of divinity and all of humanity. So, if he if it was good enough for him, I think it's good enough for us to just accept that that we are people of faith. We are swayed by psychology. We are people who interact with communities, and and that's part of the totality of who we are as humans and who we are as Christians. So, you know whether whether there was some music that was stirring us and we were feeling excited but we were thinking, well, maybe it's not faith, maybe it's just me getting excited. It's, as I said, you just can't, you just can't really separate them. And so when you get to questions like that, it's really important to remember that God always comes to us first. It's not about what we can, how we can connect with God or the things we do. There's an expression that Kelly Fryer uses called big arrow down. And it means that, first of all, God comes to us first. The action, any faith we have is because God planted it in us. But it's it's a big arrow because it's it's meant to be just so much more than, God does so much more than, than our little arrows up to God, which are our participation in, in the things that he does first. And I think, too, just remember the words from Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. That's the assurance we have. The assurance we have of our faith is in our baptism, not in our ups and downs. And and those those doubts, all of those doubts and questions are welcome. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm really glad Cathy's here, because I think what you'll see tonight is that we both think about things and faith very, very differently, which is why why Cathy's here. And um for me, I actually I spent so much time trying to understand like th- uh, this question, and so if if uh, if neither of us have answered it well, just send a follow up question because I'd really like to be able to, or we'd really like to be to do a good job at answering this. For me, I kind of thought what the person was getting at was this idea that that faith and reason are in conflict, and maybe you've um, experienced that. Maybe you heard someone say the phrase like, "Oh, well, I'm not a Christian because I'm I believe in science," as if as if. Uh, you know, you can take your reason to a certain point and then you have to jump off the cliff and then you just have to um, have to believe. And the truth is that the New Testament and the way that Jesus talks about faith doesn't seem to indicate that it's a lack of information or that it's a just blindly 
um, believing something that the New Testament talks about faith as this idea of trusting. Um, and we all know that there's a difference between um, belief that and belief in. Um, for me, a really practical example is like that when, you know, when Emma and I were dating, <coughs> for those of you playing along, Emma's my wife. When Emma and I were dating, um, I had this belief that like, hey, yeah, Em, em wants to, we want to get married, that she wants to spend the rest of her life with me. But it wasn't until like I got to the point where I proposed and Em said like, yes, that I had belief in the fact that Emma wanted to marry me, that Emma wanted to spend the rest of her life with me. And I think sometimes that's, that's true when it comes to faith in Jesus. We can believe that. Yeah, I believe that God exists. Yeah, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, I believe that there's all this evidence and I believe that I have good reasons. But it's not until we go, okay, well, now I'm actually going to trans- transition from belief that to put my belief in the fact that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that all those things apply, um, apply to me. So I think there's, um, I don't necessarily think faith and reason have to be in conflict. I think that God has given us our reason, God has given us our intellect, and we're to use all the parts of, our, of, of uh, the way that God's wired us. Alrighty, so our next question is maybe something a little bit more practical in the first two. Um, and this mm. one's going to you first, Chris. Mm. Uh, so I get so easily distracted when praying, uh, particularly when I'm by myself. Any tips? Me too. Uh, me too. I think if someone says they're a Christian, like I don't get distracted, I'm like, I want what you have because I, so I just kind of made, jotted down some notes really for things that I've tried at different times that have like worked for me. I think the first thing is to just recognize it's normal to get distracted. Like it's totally okay um, to get distracted. So take the pressure off yourself. The goal of like going to pray shouldn't be like, my goal is not to get distracted today. The goal should be, I'm praying to connect with God. Um, and so when, when you do that, you kind of take the pressure off. So I'd like, first thing I'd do is look at ways to minimize like avoidable distractions. So avoidable distractions would be things like social media. They'd be things like, you know, do you try and pray in a coffee shop or in a train where there's lots and lots of distractions, you know, maybe find a quieter space or a quieter time um, in the day. Something else I'd, I'd say or some things that have been helpful for me, three things in particular is pay attention to where when, your thought, when you're praying and your thoughts wander, what do they wander to? Right? Do they want to do a person? Do they want to do a situation? Do they want to do something in particular? Because that actually could be a cue for something to pray about. Right? That could be a cue for something to, to think through or to pray through. Um, another thing that I've tried um, and I use sporadically is like I like to journal. So when I'm praying, I like to write my prayers or kind of dot point them because I just find that like I'm a tactile person, like writing and uh, putting it onto paper kind of helps me slow my thoughts down a little bit and process through them a bit. Um, and then the other thing I- that I've used is I use technology to help. So I know that's weird when I said like put the phone away, but for me like um, there's an app that I use called Lectio 365 or there's another app called Pause where they guide you in like kind of prayers, or they give you prompts or things to think about. And for me that um, technology has been a really helpful way to kind of um, make sure that I'm less distracted. Uh, thanks. I, I think those are some really great suggestions for when we're in our prayer time. Next question, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Kathy, if you could expand, is actually, you know, how can we be more disciplined in our prayer time and in our devotional time? So it's a bit of a wider question, I guess. Any any tips on that one for us? Well, be reassured that nobody really wants to be disciplined in their prayer time and their devotion time. It's just that some people are less um, against being disciplined than others. So for everyone, discipline by by definition, it's it's work. But it does it does pay dividends. Um, first of all, I'd like to say, yes, we're we're um, I've just talked 
earlier about the big arrow down, how most of it is what God does for us. And we can't find our way to God. So just remember that, that that's what this prayer and devotion time is. It's just about spending time in a relationship that, that God has already established for you. God is already living in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And so you can forgive yourself when you fail. Don't um, don't let shame or condemnation or anything like that have its sway on you. But there are things, just like any sort of training, there are things that we can do to to be more disciplined. You could just work map out your morning if that if you want to pray in the morning, and work out what time it is that you would need to get up to fit all of the those morning activities that you want want to and need to do in it, and set your alarm accordingly. Um, another thing that you can do if you if you're struggling with discipline is just mix up what you do a little bit. So some days instead of you might have a preferred devotional process, but some days you might instead listen to Christian music or listen to a podcast just so that you're not getting um, getting dry and and then avoiding it because you're not actually feeling like like um, it's it's that you're receiving enough through it and there are some some resources that you can use to help help you understand yourself and the way that you best um, connect with God and and one of those I've, I've been told is on your website you've got the sacred pathways survey that um, people and resources that people can can connect with on your website and that sort of looks at how some people connect with God more easily in nature some through through rituals and and sacred pieces like in a in a traditional church so there's just play around with it and and as i said forgive yourself when you when you don't achieve what you want to achieve
Yeah, and if you actually actually if you go head to our if you go to our website beyondchurch.com.au and then you put in forward slash style, you can actually do that assessment because we actually yeah, we did a series on it. If you're wondering like, oh, that sounds familiar, it is. We did a series like maybe 18 months ago called You've Got Style, um, and that was actually based on all that sacred pathway stuff. Um, only thing I'd add is something that was really helpful for me is um, uh, if you've ever heard of like Charles Duhigg or there's, um, he writes a book called The Power of Habit or like the, another really popular one is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, those sort of books are really helpful for me in just understanding the process behind what are the things that help you form a habit and help you break a habit. And so if you're trying to get a habit of prayer, sometimes it can be like, um, I don't actually know the process. What are the, what are the processes behind that? So reading Atomic Habits was particularly helpful. And then something that Kathy kind of said, um, uh, but that, uh, that I like is that um, give yourself grace. But the way I frame it is um, if you miss a day, just don't miss two, okay? It's okay to miss a day. That's not a big deal. Just don't miss two. Um, there, there's, I, th- I really like the idea of, you know, if you can be consistently good at something that beats being occasionally great, right? Because anyone can be occasionally great and read their Bible and be like, oh, I read it for half an hour or I prayed for like, you know, 40 minutes and that's awesome. But like, that's actually not going to help you over the long term. What's going to help you over the long term is just being consistently disciplined and uh, getting into a habit three days four days a week is going to beat it uh, if you instead of doing like oh i did an hour once a fortnight so just that idea of being consistently good yeah from a personal perspective for myself i find piggybacking really helpful so i take a habit that i've already got and then add this on top of it it just makes it a bit easier something i'm already doing it's just gonna like i just tack it on at the end i like that um so that's a nice easy way to do something um, all right, next question, um, and this is to you, I believe, Kathy, or is it back to, no, it's to Chris, That's it is me. Chris, sorry, cool. no, I've, I've lost my place, sorry. Um, what are some ways to deepen your faith? I feel like I've plateaued. Mm. I'd say, um, well, I would say, let's drop me a note, we should get a coffee, and we should talk about that a little bit more to find out exactly the specifics of what you mean. I think that the general answer would be, uh, my general answer is always, what do you mean by deepen your faith? Like if you were to deepen your faith, what would that look like if that was to happen in your life? Um, and for some people, the answer is like more information. For some people, the answer is maybe more experiences. For others, you know, it, you could pick whatever it would be. And then I would say, once you've got that answer of what it would look like for you, then ask the question, does that line up with Jesus's definition of a deep faith? Because Jesus is, um, Jesus is like really clear. And I think one thing that's interesting that we have to kind of, push out of or resist as Jesus followers is often we talk about this idea of, well, it's my faith. And while that's true, it's also not your faith because your faith is not actually in you. Like your faith is in Jesus, which means that it's, it's your faith that you own it, but it's in someone else. And the, the object of our faith is, is, actually, um, is actually Jesus. And so I think the best way, if you want to have a deep and fulfilling faith is to ask, well, does my definition of faith line up with the, the author of my faith? Um, and at least Jesus sort of says, uh, Jesus says that, you know, the world will know you're my followers if you love each other the way that I've loved you. And so Jesus is much more focused on, um, on what we do as opposed to information. He's, he's much more focused on transformation um, as opposed to information. So that's a very general thing. The, the specific thing I would say is there are definitely seasons in Christians' lives or in Jesus' followers' lives where it feels like... Um, you know, it kind of feels like you've tried everything and just nothing seems to work. And maybe the best way could, you could describe it is like, I just feel dry spiritually. Like, it's not working. I'm hitting my head against a brick wall. Things are not working. I've tried all these different sorts of things. I've listened to advice and it just doesn't seem to be working. 
that is that first of all is also really natural okay christians there's a there's a term or a phrase depending on um it, it's often called the wall sometimes it can be called a dark night of assault of the soul um but it's kind of this blockage that christians kind of that you can kind of get to you kind of be like i've been following jesus for so long and it was once really really easy and now it just i just feel like i'm going in quicksand or i'm just not moving anywhere and the first thing to note i think is that is all throughout scripture okay like Jonah got stuck in a whale when he was following God, okay? Job had a whole bunch of bad things happen to him. Um, Paul, the apostle, uh, ended up dying for his faith. Like, Jesus got himself into a garden, and he was praying to God. He's like, God, if you could get me out of this situation, like, I would really, really, I would love that, okay? So, going through a, a challenging situation is often what God uses to actually draw us close to him in a brand new way. And so, it sounds a little bit silly, but in the early days when you first become a Jesus follower, it's really easy to follow Jesus because it's all new. It's all exciting. You don't really know much. You're like, everything you take, you're like, I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. It's this whole new thing. But then what happens is, is you follow Jesus more and more and more. Then it gets really challenging, right? Because then Jesus goes, oh, yeah, you're going to have to like forgive that family member. Or now you're going to have to you know, work through and maybe change the way you handle your boss. Or maybe now you're going to have to think, rethink the way you deal with finances. And so when you get to that wall, we have two choices. We can either like go back the way we came, and that's fine. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But what I would encourage you to do is to lean into the wall, to lean into the discomfort, and actually see it rather as than God like being angry at you or mad at you or turning his back on you, that God's actually trying to, to encourage you and to, to allow you to grow in, uh, in, in more dependence on him and to see him in a brand new way. So rather than looking at the wall or that dryness, as, as a plateau as a bad thing, I would um, look at it as what's God trying to do in me and through me in this, in this season. Anything to add, Kathy? Yeah, well, you might want to just pray that God will show you the blockage. It might be, it might be that there is something that you do need to, to confess or it might just be that, you need to just, as I said earlier, you need to just forgive yourself and just sit in that in that plateau for a period. But I think there are, you know, there's some resources around that can help you just to maybe get a little bit unstuck. And I talked about the Sacred Pathways resources earlier, but there's also um, Richard Foster has written on spiritual disciplines, so you might like to explore those uh, to look at, at different ways that you that you can grow in your faith or Richard Rohr does a lot of work on the Enneagram that's another way of just understanding yourself and and how you can grow as a person and and as a spiritual person and then there's also various spiritual gifts um surveys where you can help just identify where there might be a growth point for you but whatever it is then it's just trying it out so you act you act into that next thing and that's how you work out work out if there are some roadblocks you need to get through or you work out well whether there's a new thing that God's calling in, you into or or maybe something that you try and it's not really your thing but it's it's all just little ways to nudge away at your growth as a Christian. All right uh, Kathy a bit of a different question now um, is it wrong to celebrate Halloween and then what about Christmas and other tradition type events? Yeah well it's interesting just the name for Halloween, it's um, it's actually 
a Christian name because traditionally on the 1st of November, there's been a celebration called All Saints Day and another name for it is All Hallows Day. So Halloween is like Christmas Eve is to Christmas Day. It's the eve of All Hallows Day. So, And, and it's interesting how um, some of the, the pagan and Christian festivals have sort of got got tangled up a little bit in terms of dates and traditions. But for me, I see like the celebration of All Saints Days is to celebrate saints, but it's also to celebrate normal people who've, who've had a big influence in us, in our, in our lives as Christians, like, for example, my grandmothers, I, I would celebrate them. Um, but so just thinking about All Saints, I see Halloween and maybe some of those other festivals as a, as a recognition that we're not as disconnected from the dead as we imagine we might be, but they just they just manifest in different ways. So I do wonder whether it would be possible to to make that connection, to help people make that connection, so that it's not just a, about um, dressing up and creating more landfill, but it's actually celebrating. Well, we are part of something bigger. We are part of 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 the people who've gone before us. Um, so yes, I don't know how you do that, but but that's my suggestion. Yeah, I think like um, in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul talks about this idea that even in the first century, this was like a tension because there was a there's a moment in time where the Corinthian church, they could eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. And people were like, well, what do we do? And Paul's like, well, just go with what your conscience says. So if, if it bothers your conscience, don't do it. And he goes, and if it doesn't bother your conscience, then some guidelines would be don't participate in the actual festival, but then feel free to buy the meat at the market. It's not a big deal. And so I would sort of say, if it bothers your conscience, don't celebrate it. If you're more like me and it doesn't bother your conscience, go for gold. Um, but then just think about the parameters in which you celebrate it. You know, does it honor God? The other thing that I would say is it's a great opportunity to connect with your community and your neighbors. Like I, I know it's becoming more and more prevalent, especially here in Griffin. Um, the last three or four years, it has gone off. And it's a really cool way, I think, to actually build relationships with people in your street that you might not get to interact with all throughout the year um so yeah so this is a i guess a slightly similar question uh, chris mm. um as a pastor how do you navigate watching shows movies or even reading books that include adult content the same way any other jesus follower would <laughs> um uh, look I, I would say it's and, and when i when i think of adult content nathan was kind of nathan sort of highlighted that adult content's not just like porn or sexual content you know that's violence that's um, perhaps power struggles or all those sorts of things. Um, when it comes to when it comes to sex, um, I always kind of think if if I wouldn't feel comfortable with Emma sitting next to me watching it or like explaining to her what I've read, then I probably wouldn't do it. Um, and every, again, everyone's probably got different levels of consciousness. Um, I think um, like I grew up in a family where both my parents were police officers, and so for me, violence is less of a just is less of a flag. Like I can watch much more violent shows on TV and it doesn't trigger or raise an alarm for me. I can read much more violent books and it doesn't raise an alarm for me. I cannot though watch like any sort of surgery, right? Any sort of surgery or scalpels or anything. I'm like, Emma, tell me when it's over. And M is often the other way. M's like, if there's, if there's, uh, if there's guns, she's like, let's watch it. If there's someone fist fighting, she's like, mm, just don't, mm, no, don't. So I would say play off your conscience, work around that and then just make sure that, it, you know, it helps you follow Jesus. So if it's, you know, if watching that content 
kind of drags you away from following Jesus, then you don't don't do that. That's how I navigate anyway. Yeah, well, sometimes when you think about um, not doing something, it can actually make it even harder to stop doing it. So, for example, if I see a sign somewhere that says, don't, you know, don't walk on this grass, I think to myself, well, <laughs> I hadn't actually thought of, of walking on this grass, but now that you mention it, it does sound like a good idea and I'm curious about what it would be like. So that's just, um, yeah, just to say that I think sometimes um, it's easier it's easier work to think about what we want to do than, than what we want to stop doing. And I think the verse from Philippians 4 verse 8 is really apt here where it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think about these things. And then from that context, then you can assess some of the other things that, that do cross your path as to whether they are helping you to think about true, noble, pure and lovely things. So, for example, when I read a book, I, I have a page one test. I'll, I'll pick up a book in a shop or, or wherever and I'll read page one. And if they can't get past the first page with, without going into a sex scene, I think, well, what sort of a writer are you? Like, I'm sure, you you know, I don't want to waste my time reading a book that relies on sex to be able to convince me to read it. Um, and then a couple of other thoughts. Do, do I avoid time with God because I'm feeling guilty about this? So God's always with you. Um, you don't, you don't, you can't do anything to separate yourself from God. But if you're feeling guilty or, or ashamed about some of the things that you're connecting with, it's going to affect your relationship with God. I remember, uh, I think it was a message here actually, someone described our mind like a sponge and what we choose to soak it in is what will come out when we when we get squeezed in life. Mm. So, you know, be careful what you soak your mind in, I guess. Um, all right, next question to you, Cathy. How do you walk in the spirit? I think, I think walking in the spirit is really cooperating with what God would do in your life. And it's important to realise that it's, it's a cycle of, of living and dying and resurrection. So just like Jesus went through that, that process of giving and, and blessing others, but then a process of being persecuted and dying, of, of sitting in a place on, on Holy Saturday where nobody knew what was going to happen next, and then, and then being resurrected, that's really what, what a life of work, living in the spirit means for me, that there's, it's not a, a constant sort of up and up, but it's, it's being accepted by God and being loved by God at all of those stages of life and 
being present to them. That was good. That was good. <laughs> have we? Uh, by the way, I haven't asked. Have we had any other questions come through, uh, Chris? On the oh, we have. Did, did there's? W I think I'm going to need a podcast to like answer this question. So I feel like I might do that. The question is: Why does God allow the Ukraine war to go on, and in creating misery for so many normal people uh, from both Russia and Ukraine? That like sounds like an entire podcast. I feel right like there. I need an entire <laughs> podcast or series of podcasts. I will answer. Let's let's do a podcast on that. All right, should we, should we should we move on to the ones? Yeah, that let's we're do the next. Let's okay, we will, I will we will do a podcast on that. All right. Next question: Are Christians meant to follow the Ten Commandments? Uh, when we love a singer, band, sports team, Broncos, um, or anything we show uh, proud our memorabilia, is that worshiping false gods and idols? Does it go against Commandment One or Two? And how about Commandment Four, the Sabbath? Are we meant to keep it holy? Yeah, so I think um, the way I would answer that is to, first we have to ask the context of what context were the Ten Commandments given in. Well, the Ten Commandments were given in the context of God, specifically to the nation of Israel, okay? It was, a, it was the rules and the guidelines for how the nation of Israel were to, to live their life. Now, are we the nation of Israel? Unless you're Jewish, the answer is no. So does that mean we don't follow the Ten Commandments anymore? Sort of. Um, what it means is that when Jesus came to earth jesus kind of says he goes hey i'm giving you this new commandment um you love others the way that i have loved you and he, jesus talks about like love god and love others and what's really interesting is when you look at when you understand that the ten commandments were given on two stone tablets most people think in their mind that there's five on one there's five on another there wasn't there was three on one and seven on another and the reason that jesus breaks it into love god and love others is because on the three commandments the first three of the ten commandments are all about loving god and the next seven are all about loving others. So Jesus breaks it down. He goes, love God, love others. So we, no, technically we don't follow the Ten Commandments, but Jesus raises the bar, okay? Because Jesus' way of loving is far, far more encompassing and far, far more demanding than the Ten Commandments. But we don't, unlike the Jewish people, they followed the Ten Commandments to be right with God. We're right with God because of Jesus, but Jesus also raises the standard. So he goes, you know, if you think a bad thought about someone, you, it's, a, it's the equivalent of murder. You know, if you think about, um, you know, if you think a, a thought about, you know, someone in a, and it's a sexual thought, you've effectively committed adultery. So Jesus raises the bar. So no, we're not bound to the Ten Commandments as Jesus follows. We're under a new covenant, a new relationship with God. But the bar is raised in terms of um, what, what it means to follow Jesus in that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've only got a few minutes left and we've got a, got a few questions to go uh, shall we, we we'll see how much further we get along um, the next question and we'll send this one to you then Kathy um, how do you worship God what's a step-by-step -step guide to worshiping our Lord at home oh, just a few a few um, different thoughts here uh, we I talked earlier about about different options for um, Devotions, if you're feeling a little bit stale, so you might read the Bible uh, or read devotionals that help you understand the Bible. Contemplative prayer is is very popular. I think it's something that God's Spirit's doing among us at, at this time, just practising silence and either um, reflecting on God's Word or, or listening to a meditation. 
Um, but but it is more than just that time that you set aside for worship. There's there's just an idea of being knowing yourself in God's presence throughout the day, and that's that's something that takes practice. It takes it takes time to just develop. There's a fellow called Brother Lawrence who's written a book, Practicing the Presence of God. But if you're interested in that, you could you could read further. And again, listening to Christian music is something that can can help a lot because you can do it while you you're doing other things. Um, and I think too, got time for one more question. worshiping God um, is is also using gifts that you have been given. You know, so in your daily work, in your daily well, leisure, um, in your relationships, on, on this one. you worship God you when you bring yourself and you and you God. seek to bless others and you seek to to be the best person you can be. Before I, before I answer that, I will say um, there was another question that got submitted. I just want to let you know I've seen it. It says, what does it mean to be a Christian? Do we just believe in God and will we um, be able to go to heaven? That's a great question. And if you have follow-up questions, scan them on there and we will, we'll do a podcast. We'll talk more about because some of these, I think are, 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 they're definitely like we want to get to answering, uh, answering them. I would say in answer to your question, Nathan, how often do we hear from God? All the time because we're extra spiritual because we're pastors. That's why. No. I'm just kidding. Um, we're, we're no different. Like, we are no different from anyone else who's a Jesus follower, other than the fact that the role that we fulfill in the church might be slightly differently. You come to church on Sunday, and you see us speak every every Sunday, or you see us uh, lead the church in in a different way. So we're no we're no different um, than anyone else. So um, the first question I would ask is, what do you want to hear from God about? Is it do you want to hear from God about something specific? Um, because I think there's some some practical things you can do it about if you want to hear from God specifically about you know a decision or you know with the career or relationship or whatever it might be. Other than that, if it's just more general, how do you turn the volume up um, more general in life? I'd say I would say there's um, there's a cu- couple of thoughts I have. First of all, um, put rhythms and habits in your life that allow you to hear from God. You know, God's not going to just like you know tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, you need to listen. But we need to actually kind of put some rhythms and habits in our lives, you know, um, whether that's like you, li- you read scripture every day. That's a great way to hear God speak to you every day. You're in a connect group, maybe serving on a team. You're connected in a local church. Like all of those things are rhythms and habits that you can build into your life that allow God to speak um, to you. The second thing is this, is that um, I'd say following Jesus, it's not an isolated event. So Christianity is designed to work in community. Can you be a Christian and not be connected to a church? Yes, but you won't experience the way that it was designed to be, okay? Christian, following Jesus is a community activity. It's a group activity. And so I would say if you're, if you're not in a group, join a group. Like get in a group, get around a group of people. Um, and then the other thing is, and this is just something that's been really, really helpful for me in my life, is that um, one of the ways that I've heard God, uh, or I hear God, is that um, it's just from people in my life and speaking to people who know me well and people who um, who have a relationship with me. And the most important part of that, at least for me personally, is people who have no vested interest in, um, in sharing their opinion with me. And so I find that sometimes, and I think this is true of all of us, you know, if you're talking to a friend, or if you're talking to someone who's a peer, they have a vested interest, whether we like to uh, agree with it or not. Like they're like, oh, I don't want to say that because I don't want you to them to be offended. I don't really want you to tell you the truth because we're supposed to go on a trip next week or we're supposed to hang out or, you know, we're supposed to be friends after this. We're roommates. Um, but I have people in my life who are older than me or wiser than me and it is no skin off their nose if I stop texting them to hang out, right? 
I think that's good because it means that you can get an honest opinion um, and, and some honest wisdom from people who it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not pulling, you know, pulling my shots because I'm afraid that you'll won't text me back. They're just like, Here, here's what it is. In, in terms of hearing a very clear direction from God in my life, I would say it's not very often, just a very definite, you know, you shall do this. When I was called to be an ordained pastor, yes, I heard it very clearly. It was it was um, not an audible voice, but it was very, it was a a statement that that I couldn't have thought of by myself. I wouldn't have thought of by myself. So there's that. But that's just really, that's, that's the exception. That's the unusual thing for most of us humans, including pastors. Um. How do I turn the volume up to volume up to hear him loud and clear? Well, God will turn the volume up when God needs you to hear something loud and clear. Um, you don't need to worry about that, but you can do things to to make it more make it easier to hear what God's saying, and that's really about getting rid of distractions. So, making a life less busy, making your life less busy, slowing down, being still. So that you've got that space to not only hear what God is is leading you into, but to even to act on the things that God is is calling you into, because sometimes they're, they're a little bit inconvenient. And I don't think pastors are experts at doing that, by the way. Could uh, we thank our two panellists tonight? They've done a great job. Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find directions, service times and what you can expect as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school aged environment and Infinity Youth, our high school aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.